Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Today, we also start a brand new series that we're calling the Book of James. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to James chapter one is where we're gonna be. And so we're kicking off this series, the Book of James, And over the next five weeks, we're going to be diving into one book of the Bible, the book of James. And it's a short book. It only has five chapters and 108 verses. If you took the time today to read James, if you started front to back, it would probably take you around 10 to 15 minutes to just read it straight through. And the book of James is one of the most practical books of the Bible, is packed full of things that affect our day-to-day life, which, by the way, if you are new here, this is a very big deal to our church because we don't ever, ever, ever want to go through the motions. We don't ever just want to play church when we're here. We don't ever just want to go through some religious motions for about an hour, 70 minutes or so, go through the motions, and then walk out those doors exactly the same way as we walked in. No, like here, we boldly ask every single week for God to speak to us. So when we walk out of here every week, not just one week, but every week, we're a little bit different than when we walked in. So this whole practical walking things out is a big deal. In fact, we say it this way around here, that our Sundays should always affect our Mondays, always. That what we do here should affect tomorrow and the next day. And so we we feel like that is a big deal to not just inspire you in here, but to help you out there. Because I don't know about you, I need help. And so, and I'm really excited about this series because our team has been working extremely hard on a practical, really cool Bible study tool for you. In fact, if you go to queencitypeople.com slash James, we created a 30-day devotional for our church. And it's all online, so you can do a couple things. One, you can download it and like print it, like maybe at your work. (laughs) Come on, let's be real. (laughs) Or you can just have it on your phone or like your computer. You can access it every single day. Uh, But every single day, we're going to, over the next 30 days, read. We're going to read through the entire book of James as a church. And so we're going to read through it verse by verse. And then our team has actually written an original devotional over the verses that you read every single day. And... We've given you really practical Bible study tools to be able to help you like process and journal a little bit and write down what you feel like God is speaking to you. So I'm really excited. So I strongly encourage, this is an all call for our church to go over the next 30 days and let's together, let's make sure we engage our, we love our Bibles around here. We love it. And so we believe that it's, it's alive, it's powerful, and that God's going to speak to us. So I want to encourage you over the next 30 days, take advantage of that. Um, it's, it's going to be such a good amount of time. So let me give you a little context before we jump into today's message on the book of James. Now, it was written by a guy by the name of, shocker, James. And uh, the Bible mentions four different guys 
with the name James. The most famous of this is James, who was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, who hung out for three years with Jesus and was one of his disciples. But this is not who wrote this book. Most scholars believe that this book was written by James, the younger brother of Jesus. In fact, it's his half-brother, because, you know, they have different dads. Um, it's true. It's true. And... Um, James, after the resurrection, he actually became the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. And the Bible says, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and that the Bible says that he didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection, which makes complete sense to me. I mean, could you imagine how hard it would be for you to convince one of your siblings that you are the son of God? Imagine, like growing up, be like, for real, for real, James, I am the son of God. <laughs> watch this, watch me walk on the water, you know? And it's like, for real, like, in fact, if there's anything that proves that Jesus is the son of God is the fact that his brother, after the fact, said, yep, he's God, he's God. <laughs> to me, that's enough for me to say, yep, Jesus is real, I believe it. And so we're going to start in James chapter 1. We're going to start at the very beginning, James chapter 1, verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God. And I love that. I love that he doesn't name drop. I love that he doesn't say, you know, by the way, I am Jesus' younger brother. He, he says, I'm a servant. That's why one of our values as a church is that serving is our calling. It's not what we do. It's who we are. So James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So this book was written to Jewish Christians. And then he dives straight into it in verse two. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like, is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And let's skip down to verse 12 where it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So if you're taking notes, we want to talk over the next few minutes over the subject of passing the test. We want to talk about passing the test. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for today. And God, our prayer is the same that it's been for the last 38 weeks. We don't want to go through the religious motions. We don't want to play church. We don't want to put on a religious mask. But God, what we want to do is we want to hear from you. And we want to walk out of here. And my bold prayer is that every single one of us walk out of here different than when we walked in. But God, for that to happen, we give you permission to do whatever you want to do over the next few minutes. Speak to us. Encourage us. Challenge us. We open up our minds, our hearts our eyes to see you, our ears to hear from you. Speak to us. We're ready to listen. In Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. amen. Now, just by a show of hands, 
How many of you today in church, when you were in school, you enjoyed, like you actually liked taking tests? Anybody in here that you like? Come on, raise it up proud. It's okay. You can do it. You're weird, but it's okay. You can hold your hand up. That's okay. No, we love you. We love you. Now, how about for the majority of us, how many of you, just by a show of hands, you hated taking tests? Oh my goodness. The stress. See, for me, I was kind of like in between. It all depended on the type of test. Now, if it was like an essay question test, I'm out. You got to know way too much to get everything right for the essay question test. Fill in the blank. Uh, I mean, we're, we're heading in the right direction, but still, I don't know. Now, fill in the blank with a word bank. Come on, everybody. God's all over that. I can work with that. And then multiple choice. Oh, the multiple choice. See, I'm good with that. Because at least with the multiple choice, I'm looking at one of the right answers. And hopefully I can figure that out. See, the truth is that tests in school are really important. Because tests, think about this. Tests reveal whether or not we need to repeat the material or go to the next grade. In James chapter 1, it talks a lot about tests that we go through in life. Maybe your Bible says trials or troubles. But the truth is, is that we all face these tests. We will all have tests in life. We will all have trials in life. In fact, if you're at church today, you're either coming out of something, you're in the middle of something, or you're about to go through something. And some of you are like, Come on, Pastor Brian, can you just be a little bit more positive? Sure. I'm positive that at some point you're going to go through a test if you're not right now. And it's important for us to understand that trials and tests are are different than temptations. In fact, we're going to put this on the screen because I want to make sure you understand the difference. See, trials, they happen to us, but temptations happen in us. And trials, they're outside circumstances that are trying to drag us down. It's something beyond your control. And there's there's things that happen to us that are trying to drag us down. But temptations happen inside of us. In fact, it says in a few verses later, when it says in James chapter 1, verse, you can actually look it up on your own, 13 through 15. And it tells a little bit of what it should look like. But temptations, they happen in us. And it's these inside cravings that are trying to drag us away. And we gotta understand that God does not tempt you, but God will allow trials and tests in your life because God uses those things to help us grow. So when those tests come, how do we pass those tests? Because I don't know about you, but if I'm gonna be in a test, I wanna pass. And so James chapter one tells us how and gives us what today I'm just gonna call four essentials for passing these tests of life. These four essentials, and here's the first one. Write this down. We gotta have a joyful attitude. A joyful attitude. In James 1, verse two, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. In another translation in the NLT, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, that's a hard sell. Like, it's really hard for me to get that. Like, I mean, for anybody else, is that kind of hard for you? Is that kind of like, man, I, like, I consider that a joy. So James, you're telling me, Jimmy, whenever I'm face to face with a trial, with a, with a test, I should consider it joy? Now, here's why he can do that. Because joy is not based on a circumstance, it's based on a choice. Let me put it this way. You can't control your situation, but you can control your attitude. And it's, I, I want to make sure that we all understand that it is possible, according to the Bible, according to James chapter 1, verse 2, it is possible for us to be in the middle of the hardest test that we've ever taken in our life and still have joy. By the way, I'm not talking about happiness. It's not a synonym. It's a big difference. See, happiness is a feeling and joy is a choice. Listen, I'll prove it. Philippians chapter four, verse four, it says, always, always, at all times, every day, every minute, no matter what you're going through, always be full of joy. I say it again, rejoice. And then it says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, just simple, three words, always be joyful. And the always in those two verses is only possible if it's a choice. That's it. That's the only way it's possible. The only way that you can always have it is if it's a choice. In fact, here's the definition, that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. See, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control, not me, God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. That's why one of our 10 values as a, as a church is joy is our choice. Joy is our choice. It's not simply just putting on a fake smile but it's rather, it's choosing joy no matter what our circumstances in life may be. So my car breaks down, joy is our choice. I I lose my job, joy is our choice. Kids rebelling, kids are going crazy, joy is our choice. Somebody says something untrue about you, oh, I can't stand it, but joy is our choice. Unexpected diagnosis from a doctor, you can still say joy is our choice. Boss is being unfair, you get passed up for the promotion, joy is our choice. You feel lonely today at church, get in a group, and joy is our choice. My goodness, James, it seems like you're calling us to such a high standard. Like, that, that seems like such a high standard. And yep, that's the point. Because write this down. When we live at a high standard, the world will demand an explanation. I'm telling you, if you have joy like that, 
there will be people that look up and say, like, how in the world do you have joy like that? And you can say, well, let me tell you. Because when we live at a high standard, the world, it will demand an explanation. So to pass a test, it's essential that you have a joyful attitude. And here's the second thing that you need to have. Number two, an understanding mind. An understanding mind. James chapter one, verses two through four, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, you understand, you recognize, you know that the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. And then let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. To pass the test, you have to understand the meaning of the test. In other words, you have to have the right perspective of the test. And a mature person knows that when I'm going through a test, that my test is my training. That I'm going through something. That, that God's not going to waste this. See, God is using that test to do something on the inside of me. He's going to produce things inside of me through this, like perseverance and endurance and maturity and grit and character. It's going to help me grow. Look at this in Romans chapter five, verses three through five. It says, we can rejoice. Here he goes talking about that again. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn. I understand I'm not gonna get a lot of amens right here. I get it. But it's my job to love you enough to tell you the truth. They help us learn to be patient. And patience, it develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then when that happens, we're able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well. I don't know about you, but I want that to be my life. So your prayer, it shouldn't be, God, get me out of this. It should be, God, what are you teaching me in this? So that you can learn what you need to learn. Listen, church, never waste your test. Never waste your trials. Let it be something that's developing the things on the inside of you that need to be developed. And maybe, just maybe, you keep repeating the same test over and over and over again, you keep having that same relational cycle over and over again, you keep having those same financial issues over and over again, and you keep repeating the same thing over and over, that same test over and over again because you maybe refuse to let God teach you what you need to learn and develop what needs to be developed so that you can go on to the next grade. See, God is saying right there in your test, in your trial, don't give up. Don't bail out. Don't quit. Don't miss what's really going on. Yes, you're in a test, but I'm doing a deep work on the inside of you. I love this thought that my pain can be my preparation if I keep the right perspective. You really can. That your trials and your tests, your pain, it can be your preparation if you keep the right perspective. So the essentials for passing a test, a, a joyful attitude, 
an understanding mind. And number three, a surrendered will. A surrendered will. In James 1, we pick it back up where it says, because you know that the testing of your faith, it develops perseverance. So you understand it. You have an understanding mind. But get this, here's a really important word. You gotta let it. You can know it, but you gotta let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You gotta let it happen. You gotta surrender your will. See, you may understand the meaning of a test, but you still have to allow it to happen. See, God cannot build our character without our consent. I like to think of it this way, that God is a gentleman. He's never gonna force himself on you. And I love this in Romans chapter 12, verse one. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says, so then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This, offering your whole life to God, this is your true worship that you should offer. See, here's the thing about a living sacrifice. You choose to get on the altar and you can choose to get off because you're alive. And when you're alive, you choose whether or not you're up there. And by the way, this this verse is a perfect picture of what it looks like to give your life to Jesus. It's a perfect picture that you realize that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son down to this earth to live a perfect life, something you and I could never do. And the only person that ever lived a perfect life got convicted to die for sins that he didn't commit, but that we did. And he went and he died a death that was intended for us. But the good news is that three days later, he rose from the grave, giving us a chance to have a relationship with him. And that when you realize that, when you, when you experience that, when you realize that Jesus on the cross gave up everything for you so that you can give up everything for him, that you can become a living sacrifice. But this is also a picture of what every single day should look like for a Christian. That if you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that verse right there should be a picture of what your day-to-day life looks like. That today, God, I'm crawling up on the altar. Today, I'm choosing to make the decision to go up and I'm gonna offer myself as a living sacrifice. I offer my whole life to you as worship. More than just singing. I'm not just gonna come in and sing songs, but I'm gonna worship you not just with my words, but with my life when I'm out there. And I'm going to surrender everything, my day, my relationships, my agenda, my finances, my schedule, everything. I'm going to sacrifice everything and give you permission to do whatever you want to do. I love this quote from William Booth that says, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. And so the essentials for passing a test, a joyful attitude, an understanding mind, a surrendered will, And then the last, number four, a faith-filled ask. In verse five of chapter one, it goes on to say that if any of you lacks wisdom, and a lot of times we think that this is separated, but it's connected to the first few verses. And if any of you lacks wisdom in the test, in the trials of life, if, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. 
who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. See, this is one of my favorite promises in the Bible. It's not just a verse, it's a promise. And I pray this over my life every single day, multiple times. A lot of times when I'm sitting across the table from somebody and they're telling me things about their life and they're asking for counsel. A lot of times when I'm in a meeting, when I'm sitting there preparing messages, when I'm trying to figure out how in the world to be able to parent and be a dad to my two sons. When I think about what it means to be a good husband, a lot of times I'm thinking about this verse and I'm praying this verse over my life over and over again because I don't know about you, but I need wisdom. Anybody in here need wisdom right now in any area of your life? Well, listen to what it says in James 1.5. If you need it, wait, no, you, you got to go to church all the time. You got to have perfect attendance at church for at least a month before he'll give you any wisdom. No, no, no. If you need wisdom, no, you need to read that 30-day James thing. And then once you do that, I'll be able to give you, that's not what it says. See, the only thing that's contingent upon you getting wisdom According to James 1 verse 5, it's a promise from God that if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he, not might, he will give it to you. It's that simple? Listen, if you're in a test and you don't know what to do or how to move forward, you have access to crystal clear clarity and God-given wisdom directly from heaven. All you have to do is ask. In James 3, verses 17, it actually tells us later in James the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And it talks about the wisdom from above, the wisdom that you can have access to if you ask. The wisdom from above is, first of all, pure and it's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. You can have access to that type of wisdom. All you have to do is ask. And James even tells us how to ask. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. That I'm gonna believe that God's word is God's word. That if it says for me to ask and he'll give it to, then I'm going to boldly ask and believe with faith that he's going to give me every bit of wisdom that I need. I love this quote. It says, if you lack knowledge, go to school. But if you lack wisdom, get on your knees. Pray that we have access to wisdom. So how do I pass these tests in life? That when I'm face to face with trials, See, I'm gonna choose. First, I'm gonna choose that as soon as I'm in this test, I'm gonna choose a joyful attitude. Why? Because I have an understanding mind. I know that God is using this test to help me grow and he's developing all these things in me like perseverance and grit and maturity and he's gonna help me grow. But I'm not just gonna have an understanding in my mind, I'm gonna surrender my will and I'm gonna let him do whatever he needs to do in this test and in this trial. I'm gonna give him permission to do whatever he needs. And finally, when I need it, and God knows that I need wisdom, I'm gonna make a faith-filled ask for wisdom so that I can move forward to do exactly what God wants me to do. 
See, I made a decision to follow Jesus on June 25th, 1999. By the way, in just a few minutes, we're going to give you the opportunity to make that decision. And you could say for the rest of your life on June 2nd, 2019, I made a decision to follow Jesus. But I made that decision on June 25th, 1999, which means that this month I will have been following Jesus 20 years. And looking back over the last 20 years of my life, here's one of the biggest things I learned, church, is that the best things in my life have come out of the biggest test of my life. The biggest things, the best things in my life have come out of the biggest test of my life, including this church. See, about five years ago, I was in the middle of the hardest season of my life. I'm telling you, I was taking all the tests. Whatever test was, I was taking it about five years ago. And um, I was taking personal tests and family tests, faith tests, professional tests. And at that time in my life, I don't know if I was like quote unquote depressed, but I do know that it felt like on the inside, I had no hope. Like literally, it felt like somebody took a vacuum cleaner to my insides and took out every bit of hope that I had. And the Bible says that hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. And I do know that I had a sick heart. And I saw no way out. I saw no light at the end of the tunnel. And as hard as it was, and listen, I'm only telling you my experience. I'm not trying to puff me up. Please hear that. I'm not a big fan of preachers that they're the hero of every story. But even though I felt like I had no hope and that my heart was sick, I made a decision every day, God, I'm not letting go of you. I'm going to do my best every single day for my wife, my kids, my family to choose joy. And I'm going to believe in faith that you have some things in store for me that I'm learning in this time. So I just kept seeking God. And I was desperate. And one day in my devos, which is what I call my personal time with God, I was just spending time with God. It was not a special day. It wasn't a special occurrence. It was just a random day where I was spending time with God early in the morning. And out of nowhere, I did not see it coming. God spoke to me about planting a brand new life-giving church. And honestly, I didn't see how it was possible, especially in that season. One, I didn't know how to start a church. Two, if we somehow figured out how to start the church, I wouldn't know how to lead it. (laughs) And I definitely didn't have any money to be able to start a church. But here's what I know, that in the middle of the biggest tests and trials of my life up until this point, God, you put a dream in my heart. And that started us on a four-year journey that led us to moving to Cincinnati, Ohio, 
in January 2018 knowing one family and the rest is history. And if you want to hear more of that story, you can actually come to Growth Track today and I'll tell you a little bit more about that story. But can I tell you that 38 weeks into this thing that nobody is more surprised than I am. Like I had faith for big things, but I couldn't have asked or imagined what God has done. In fact, Ephesians 3.20 says that God will do immeasurably more than what we can ask or imagine. I feel like that's what I'm experiencing in my life. I truly believe that we're in the middle of a miracle. And just from the bottom of my heart, I want you to hear this. I'm so incredibly honored to pastor this church. Like every single day, I feel like I have to pinch myself because I'm so excited, so honored, I'm so thankful. And I'm not just thankful to be leading an organization, I'm thankful for you. I want you to know that I pray for you every single day. And not only do I pray for you every single day, that you are an answered prayer. That in the middle of the most challenging test and trial of my life, God put you my heart and you are an answered prayer and I truly love you more than you know but I want you to hear that Queen City Church is the result of the biggest and hardest trial and test of my life and so I encourage you that if you right now are in the middle of a trial or a test, the best things in your life will come out of the biggest test of your life. I'll end with this verse in Galatians chapter 6, 9. If you're right now in the middle of a test, of a trial, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired of doing what James 1 outlines for us. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And just ask God right now, let's just be still. Let's not miss this moment. And just ask God, God, what are you speaking to me right now? What does my response need to be? How does my Monday need to look different because of what we're experiencing on Sunday? And maybe for some of you right now, what God is speaking to you is that you need to choose joy. That right now, in the circumstance of life that you find yourself in, you need to choose joy. Maybe for some of you, you need wisdom. And so God's like, just ask. Maybe for you, a practical step would be to come forward in just a minute when our prayer team's up here and just say, hey, I need prayer over this area. Will you help? Will you agree with me? And let's ask God for wisdom together. Or maybe you're here and you're far from God. And today, you need a fresh start. And we always want to give people the opportunity to make the best decision of their life, the decision to follow Jesus, the decision to start or restart a relationship with God, to be able to surrender your will. Now, we're not going to point you out. We're not going to make you come forward or embarrass you in any way. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you want to be included in that prayer, that today you want to make that decision 
to say, I'm going all in with God. I need a fresh start today. I want to surrender my life to God. And if that's you, I want you to, without hesitation, on the count of three, to raise your hand and say, include me in that prayer. One, two, three. Just raise it up. That's you. Yeah, got you. Hands up. Hands up. All over the place. So proud of you. Anybody else? Come on. You want to, you, you need a fresh start today. I want to surrender my life. That's great. You can put your hands down and pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I just don't want you. I need you. And I'm sorry. I repent. I change my mind. I go in the opposite direction. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. That I felt like I could do everything on my own. Would you come now, live inside of me? Will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you, all of it. And today, I choose to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 